Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith. And today, listeners, I've got a lovely lady. Her name is Alina Chapman. She's from the United States. So very warm welcome to you, Alina. (laughs) Hello, Lynn. I'm so happy to be on your show. I love your accent. (laughs) Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. (laughs) And uh, Alina, she's got a book out. It's called Hello, Soul. And we're going to be talking today, amongst a lot of other things, about how to bring out and tap into your inner feminine. And the reason we're going to be touching on this subject is because it's so powerful to be able to do this as a skill in enabling you to attract a really great, fantastic, healthy relationship with a a masculine man. So, Alina, firstly, would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we get stuck into the conversation? Oh, gosh. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, Well, I'm Elena Chapman, as you know now, and I am a spiritual healer and a nurturer. So I help you tap into your souls. Definitely that beautiful inner divine for women and for men, too. We need a little of that feminine divine in us. And then I also help you to connect to divinity with an open mind. But for today, we're going to talk about getting right into that beautiful feminine. I'm also a radio show host and a podcast. I have two podcasts out and all that good stuff. But we'll talk about that at the end. Excellent. So when you are actually speaking about divinity, I mean, I know that some audience members are going to think, well, what's that? You know, what, what, what is that specifically referring to? So could you just explain a little bit for the benefit of the audience what we actually mean by that? Well, divinity is higher than yourself. It's your higher self. It's your higher consciousness. And it's what you find when you open up that door in your higher consciousness. You know, it's, it's the angels and the, it's all that woo-woo stuff, as my, one of my friends says. But it's, it's the, the guides, the people, the, the, the spirits that are here to guide us every day. The guide, I have Joan. Joan helps me with every decision I make. I'm always saying, what do you think about that, Joan? But, but I've also tapped totally into my own soul and that higher self. And, and really, guys, when you tap, okay, let's bring it down to nitty gritty. When you tap into your soul, what it is, is you are tapping into the highest wisdom of your being. So a lot of times I will ask for my wisdom to come forward, my defensiveness, my, um, you know, my fast reaction to take a back seat. And I will allow the wisdom to become forward. I've done the work. That's what my book, Hello Soul, is about. I've gone on this journey to really clear my mind of all the baggage so that I can hear that soft, higher voice that's always there, always there. And yet our critical mind is so loud. (laughs) So we've got to learn how to calm that down. And then we can hear. And then that's our wisdom. That is our really strong wisdom that comes forward. I hope that made it a little more, yeah, 
yeah, understand. Yeah, made it a bit easier to understand for those that are not familiar with this particular subject. So uh, would you say that it's, it's, it's at its very basic level, it's about really getting back in touch with our own intuition in, intuition and, and listening to that voice? You know, since we went this path, I'll tell you that, that the, the wisdom, listening to that voice, it's, it's activating all your inner senses. Now, okay, here we go. <laughs> you did it, Lynn. <laughs> we have six senses of our higher self, okay? And that is that wonderful intuition that, that, you know, like when you walk into a room and you're thinking, whoa, why am I here? This is not good. You know, that's intuition. Back away. Get yourself collected if you have to go back in. What do I have to deal with? Okay, I can deal with it in this way. And then you can go, that's your intuition telling you, wait a minute, you got to think about this, right? Yeah, I think then, sometimes we can all relate. Sorry to interrupt there, but I just wanted to explain for the benefit of the audience that sometimes we can all relate to walking into a room full of people and feeling there's a great energy about that ambience of that room and those people and other times where you may have the opposite feeling or reaction to that. Yeah. And then it's not that you go home and eat popcorn. No, you step back out of the room. You assess, okay, what is it? What is making my stomach turn? Why are my shoulders tense? And, and what's my body trying to tell me? Because your body is part of that, that the soul will try to, they try to, every, your higher self is always trying to talk to you. Let's face it. It's just whether you listen. And so you're looking at this and then all of a sudden you think, well, it's, it's just, everybody is so intense in there. I need, I need to, you know, soften it, be myself. How can I be myself in that situation? And it gives you time to pull yourself together and be more effective in that room just by listening to your own needs. And that's just intuition. That's an inside sense. It also, along with that is, is your imagination. When you tap into your soul, your imagination starts to soar. Why is that important? Because your imagination, we are what we think, guys. If, if we, we can become, how did you think Steve Jobs made a phone that you can hold in your hand? Because he saw it in his imagination. Why, why does anybody create anything? Because they see it in their imagination. And if your imagination is crippled by the critical mind, you have limited thought. It's a gift of, the, of your higher self. And then you have, um, I'm going so slow, it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> it's, uh, it is, and then you have your wonderful memory. And, and this is really cool. When you, have, when you start to have your imagination starting to go, then that causes perception to change. That's another gift. Because how you perceive the world and how you perceive yourself in that world creates the world. And if you're in a tough situation, it's the same thing. I know because that's where I come from. When I was in a tough situation, I learned the power of changing my perception, building that world, even though the other not so happy world was going on, I still kept pulling through, using the gift of will, another one, that's one of the six, to change my perception, using my imagination, my intuition, and what I want it to be. And you know what? It worked. It worked. 
For the benefit of the audience then, Alina, what could you give as an example for how, you know, somebody could perceive one situation and then just by changing the way they looked at it, they would have a different outcome? Uh, okay. I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a little story and maybe, and then hopefully with people will relate it because it's hard to hit everybody's situation. But um, there was a time when I was, um, okay, I went through a very bad divorce, haven't we all? And my divorce was a very strange way. It was, it was six years of a lot of torment and, um, and it was affecting my boys. Uh, I have three kids. And they were, uh, what were they, nine, seven, and five. Oh, my gosh. They were little tykes, you know. And uh, it, it was starting to get them where they were scared. And I tried to, I was trying to be up and I was trying to do all the right things. But um, it was an every day there was a crisis. There was something awful that would happen. And it was just starting to get to me. And I thought, you know, this is too much. And the object of the game, as far as I could see, and I can't say who did it by, because <laughs> they strapped me on that one. But I can say it was to alter my perception to make me unstable so that I was not a fit mom. Do you see? If you're filled with paranoid, you're not a good mom. If you're dealing with crises and your children are suffering, you're not a good mom. See how that works? It's really an insipid little thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I can't, was the other side doing it? Who knows who was, it doesn't matter who was doing it. It was the matter is that it was done. And so I decided that I sat in my bed one morning and I said, okay, this is not good. This is a yucky world. I don't like this world. I don't like what's being presented. I don't like this weirdness that's going on that something's real and then it's not real. I don't wanna deal with this anymore. And so I said, and my boys, my boys, what do I want them to think when they're 30 years old? What are they going to think about this, their life right now? What are they going to think about family? And if you're in a hard situation, how can you change? You can sit down in your bed one morning and write down, how do I want to feel about this time in my life? Do I want to feel like I'm being a victim? Do I want to feel that this person is putting stuff on me or this job is putting stuff on me or this so-called circumstance is putting stuff on me? Or do I want something different? Do I want to remember something different about this time? And when I sat down in my bed, I wrote down five little things about my boys. I said, I wanted them to always feel that we as a family unit are home, that we are strong, that we always support each other, that we always try to give our very best, and that if time ever gets hard, I want them to feel that this is a safe haven to come home. And I started to build that. I started to leave little notes in their knapsack. I started to, I, I moved us to a house that was really, um, uh, for you know, I could see all areas of the land. Nobody could sneak up on the house. I um, 
so my boys wouldn't be scared. I I started to build their world. I'd leave little, like I said, little cookies and stuff in their knapsack saying, have a wonderful day. I love you so much. You are the master of your world, honey. And then there they would go to school. Um, I would do things exciting Friday night. We would build a giant tent downstairs and I would have pizza parties with them. I never let them, and if something happened that was kind of weird, I would try to make it more of a game. I wouldn't bring them into that world and I wouldn't go into that world anymore. I take care of the things I had to, but man, my world was out here. And for me, I started then, I started to build my world and say, you know what, I'm gonna start journaling. I'm gonna write down all this stuff to get it out of my head. And so I'd go to the coffee shop and I'd start writing. I started to practice gratitude five things in the morning, five things at night. That, and everything was about my kids, myself, and all the beauty and the things that I saw in my world that I was creating. Do you see? I still took care of the things I needed to in that other, but it wasn't my world. Excellent. And I know that <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a really interesting thing. So like if you're in a job you really hate, and I've been in that too, you don't stay there, guys. Because that's where you're going to get the, God, your, your cells of your body. You hoard that crap in your body. You hoard that emotion, that hate, that unhappiness, that sadness in your cells. It'll make you sick. Don't do that. Look for other jobs while you're there. Think, what do I want out of this life? What do I want to be? If you want to start journaling, heck, Start journaling. If you want to redo some furniture, redo some furniture. Put it on YouTube. Oh my gosh, you'll probably, see. you'll never know what comes out of the desire that you start to feel in yourself. Trust it. It can create your world, but you got to open to it. And that's where you sit down on your bed in the morning and say, what do I want? See? You got to knock what, what, it, what it was in the Bible or in Jesus he said, knock, you got to knock yeah. the door to be. And well, sometimes people don't, uh, you know, know how to answer the question. Um, well, what do I want? But sometimes they do know what they don't want. So maybe start with that listing what you don't want and then looking at what's the opposite to that. <laughs> yeah. And I always say, start small. I didn't start bat big. It was my boys. And then I knew I wanted to start journaling. You know that journal I started? That turned out to be my first book and it was an international bestseller. Who would have guessed? Wow. <laughs> Writing journaling. And it's because I had this urge to just journal. Trust your urges. You know, That's lot, part of your- Yeah, and a, a lot of the creativity that comes off the back of those urges, whether it's journaling, um, you know, can lead to a passion that can lead to a purpose, such as you becoming an author. In a shot. That's usually how it's done. It's those little urges. It's the soul saying, hey, hey, try this. <laughs> so try it. You know, I, you I, just... <laughs> I love the saying, um, what, what to say to yourself when you're giving, you know, yourself talk, <laughs> you know, when... We're, we're listening to that mind voice that isn't necessarily our highest soul yeah. voice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's saying, well, you can't go to the coffee shop and journal. You've got to do this and this and this. 
<laughs> and I thought, well, that's exactly why I'm going to the coffee shop in Germany. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, um, you know, the way to distinguish between whether you're listening to, you know, what your soul is calling you to listen to or whether you're listening to that negative self-talk that's coming from the uh, headspace, so to speak, um, you know, and, and when you, you, you're struggling to think, well, well which one's which? I yes. think if you can sort of think, you know what, um, if this information is coming from a place where you feel fearful and there's, you, it puts you in a negative state and um, in a, a place where you've got a lot of negative self-talk going on, that is your mind chatter, you know, and that's not real. Yeah. And if you and feel it's coming from a place of love, abundance, then that's your intuition talking to you. It's really easy because that book that I have now that we're going to talk at the end, Hello Soul, and I wasn't going to, but that's my journey. That's my whole journey of getting back into my soul. And, and I found that my teachers, and that's what people learn, is, is they work through the chakras. If you want to just start to get a glimpse, I do a lot of shamanic journeying too with people, guided sh shamanic journeying. I help them into finding their divine, their soul. I just did that the other day. Um, but, but there are two ways that you can start to open up to hearing that soul and understanding it's different from the critical mind. And it's, it's first asking, you know, and, and, get over feeling silly to say, are you there soul? And when you hear, yes, it's so soft. And it's usually in the back, kind of in the back on the left, you'll just sort of hear it. Yes. And when you hear that, believe it, it's true. It's there. And the other thing you will know, that's the one. So just keep asking. Number two your wonderful soul and divinity itself is always talking to you. Whether it's, it's weird, what we call coincidences, what we call synchronicities, what we call when we get a sign. That hawk almost flew into my window, okay? Oh my gosh, that poor bird probably tried to sacrifice its life just to tell you, hey, Heads up, you've got all these wonderful spirit guides around you right now. You've got people trying to help you. And it's probably in the time when you were in your critical mind beating yourself up. And the universe is saying, hey, get out of there. You know, you have to step out. This is the thing, guys. The critical mind puts you in a bubble, a yucky bubble. And when you stay in that yucky bubble, you only see you and that critical mind it's very narcissistic <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is it is definitely the thing is i suppose that we're not taught this level of awareness in schools or by our parents usually are we no actually we're taught the opposite i remember my um my youngest came home and he's very intelligent sometimes too intelligent and he says he said well mom no, he was listening to podcasts and I was listening with him and I heard all these people just deconstructing everything, tearing it down, tearing it down, why it doesn't work, why it doesn't work. And I finally just looked at him and I said, well, this is great. I'm glad that they're finding the problems. I said, but 
where's the building? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you destroy something, then you build something better, right? And he goes, no, mom, they don't do that. I said, well, honey, then what are you left with? You're left with just criticizing yourself, beating yourself up all the time. You've got to learn how to build. And that's what we're learning in school. And they call it critical analysis. Mm. See? And it tears us down. You, you do that outside. You do it to the movies. You do it to the games. You do it to other friends. Then all of a sudden, you start beating yourself up all the time. We don't need that. So you have to unlearn that stuff. Absolutely. And, when you, and as you clear out all that, and, and it's healing. I always say, <laughs> you're going to love this one. And this has a lot with the inner divine too. And, and also the masculine. The, um, you have to start looking at your faults. <gasps> oh my God. Did I just say that? Yes. <laughs> your, are those things that you grew up with that people told you like you're bossy? You're, you're lazy, you're, ah, I can't even say them. They just hurt too much. But these are negative things. And, and I'll own mine. Mine was your bossy. <laughs> Hard to imagine. Mine was your clumsy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> See? Now, now, ah, people. And if you understand that that was to make you conform to what other people believe, has nothing to do with you. And when we start looking at our faults and doing a meditation and going in and saying, okay, what is the gift of this fault? Ask that. You'll find out like, okay, my bossiness, I started looking at it and I thought, oh my God, that's what helped me to pull my family together in crisis. That's what helped me pull when my husband got sick. I was the one that organized everything. It, it was that bossiness that's a survival. When no one else can do it, I can pull it forward. It's an incredible gift, right? And it's not bossy. It's a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> and what I learned from, you know, being labeled clumsy was, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I never made a big deal if my daughters ever were accident prone or, you know, did some made a mistake. I never made a big deal about it because I learned from my own childhood upbringing, you know, the impact that that had on me being labeled clumsy. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful gift. And, and also it's a one. And also I bet, I bet you're one who um, will take chances more, won't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you, you that is a, that's because you don't worry about it. And then no. you're more thought of the process than, oh, I got to walk on glass all the time. You, that's a beautiful gift. Ah, see, all of us owe it to ourselves to deprogram the yuckiness that people have given us and start looking at our gifts. And I'll tell you, if you can just take the first steps to love the, the so-called faults, to find the gifts in them and own it, then you're already decluttering your mind because everything stems on what you believe about yourself. That's what forms a critical mind. Yeah, I agree so, with that. So yeah, you're not gonna, when, when, when someone says you, um, well, you just have to take over everything. 
doesn't bother me at all, right? And for you, you know, oh, there she goes again. She doesn't care. Boy, her poor girl just bumped her knee. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're there saying, honey, it's fine. You just keep moving forward, which is probably the best gift you could ever give a kid, you know? And I mean, these are the things we have to start changing our perception on. And this declutters the mind so that when you're sitting in your car at a red light, and you say, are you there, soul? Your mind's clear enough where you, you hear, yes, Elena, I'm here. Or you're not stuck in that negative bubble. And when the hawk flies by or the blue heron, you're just thinking to yourself, well, should I do that or not? And this blue heron flies by. Guys, believe it or not, that is a gift. And blue heron is, it's time. Do it. Go for it, sugar. You know? See, you got to get out of your bubble. That narcissistic little critical mind has to go. And also you don't have to own what people label you or even actually look for the gifts in it uh, to sort of um, progress in your life. Because, for example, if, um, I if I was ever labeled deluded, for example, which was another thing, <laughs> I was labeled, you know, I, I don't look, I don't accept that label. I'll, I'll just say... You know, if that's what you think, that, that's fine. It's not that that label belongs to you. It doesn't belong to me. Thank you. Yeah. If you have a label that you can't even find a gift in, and it's just not even you, which people do, which is so silly. Oh, my gosh. Don't even own it. You know, like you said, Lynn, no, don't even own it. Just let it go because people are silly. A lot of times what we have to learn is people are projecting themselves on us. They yeah. they. Their own little little bubble of critical mind. Everybody's walking around with a critical mind bubble. It's, and then what really being awake or so-called woo-woo is stepping out of that bubble. That's all it is. That's that, we, yeah, we have to be mindful that we don't live up to those labels that other people have put on us, don't we? You know, and no. um, take it on as as being something we are rather than it recognizing actually you know actually i'm not that <laughs> i can let that go let it go let it go you are and we owe it to ourselves to to really see that we are light that we have so much incredible beauty inside of us we came here why did we come here well we came here to create an experience and to love that's it. All the rest is garbage. So what do you want to do with that? And bring forth your light. The world needs your light. It needs your smile. It needs your laugh. It needs the beauty you have inside to shine forward. And if the critical mind is harping on you, it needs to go. Simple as that. Because it has no place. What world do you want? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, we can either carry on listening to that negative self-talk or we can just, um, you know, we don't necessarily expect people that are not used to sort of going on this personal development journey to sort of grasp and uh, turn things around straight away. But 
you know, if you do find yourself thinking negative thoughts, you can just acknowledge it and just say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I hear you, but uh, you know what? I want to focus on something more positive at the moment. So you that's can, a good one. You can challenge, you know, your negative thinking. That's right. Uh, Howard in the 1970s had that. He was right. Just take it and pass it on. You know, for those of us, I've got a challenge for everyone. Can I give them a challenge? Absolutely, yeah. All right. This week, this week, I want you to start honoring yourself. What does that mean? Aha. Okay. Start honoring yourself for the beautiful soul you are. Start to think mind, body, spirit. Pick one thing in each. What am I going to do for my mind? Well, maybe I can start to unpollute it. Maybe I'm listening to music that brings me down or I'm listening to the news that definitely brings me down. Uh, maybe I'm, I'll turn it off for a little while for one week. Believe me, we won't all go away because we didn't hear the news for one week. Let it go or let that music, instead of listening to a minor key, listen to a major key. Listen to the lyrics that bring you up, not down. Listen to podcasts that bring you up, not down. Whatever it is, but one thing Stop, that's for the mind. Or maybe you start reading something that just inspires you and brings you alive. That's for the mind. Body. What does my body want? <laughs> We're all going to say chocolate cupcakes. No. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? I've been looking in my fridge. <laughs> Once in a while. But let's be healthy. Let, maybe I'll start yoga this week. Maybe I'll just walk this week. Maybe I'll bring out my divine feminine and I'm just going to dance. What am I going to do this week for my body? And then my spirit, how am I going to feed my spirit? Maybe I'll start my gratitudes. Maybe I will start to relish some of the things. I'll start to be more in the present and I'll, res I'll just relish my cup of tea when I have it. I'll relish the nice, beautiful feel of the sheets when I make the bed. I'll start to bring my spirit alive in everything I do. Just do that for one week. And you will find just that elevates you in your own eyes. Isn't that cool? I love that. Yeah, I do a lot of that kind of some great tips there, you know, as some actions that we can implement, easy actions that cost nothing that are going to change things for the, for the better for all of us. Yep. Well, that's what we're all here. We're here to give you tools, you know, and Linda's too, tools that you can start yourself because it is you. It's you. <laughs> you have to stay, take the step forward. Yeah. But it is easy to start to hear the soul when you start to get yourself into a position where you are open to it. And that divine feminine comes right along with it. You start honoring yourself. Oh, my dears, you're going to start to feel the beauty that you are. And really, the divine feminine is just accepting who you are, you know, not making allowances, not trying to be a man. It, but if you have that more masculine feminine fem feeling inside you, then that's all right, right? Because that's who you are. But if you are someone who loves to wear the skirts, loves that perfume, that lipstick, wear it. If you're someone who wants to dance, who loves to just have fun, then do it. Because that's you. Yeah. And I think that's been, I suppose, societally 
driven out of us over the, the recent decades, hasn't it? Been who we naturally are at our core. Well, if we look at, I don't know about, well, I don't know what was happening in Europe then. I mean, I was a little tyke, but I remember, you know, when I came into the world and I'm aging myself here, ah! but it was when we were in, in America, we were burning the bras, right? You know, and, and burning the bras, I get it. But then we were gaining all the rights. We had already got the right to vote. Now we just wanted to live and we wanted equal pay, which we still don't have. But we wanted that. But what we thought we had to do was assimilate and become, we had to live in a man's world being more like a man. So you saw more women wearing pants and going into the corporate world and learning how to play their game and trying to be, be in, get into the boys club. And we lost, we lost ourselves. Yeah. And it I wasn't think that's a, around the misunderstanding about what equality actually means. You know, I, I drum this home quite a lot, but, you know, equality means equal opportunities. It doesn't mean being the same as a man. Exactly. And then when you finally got to be like a man, you really conquered that whole problem. Then they called you bossy. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and then they didn't find you attractive. <laughs> no, and then they don't find you attractive and they think, well, what's up her problem, you know? <laughs> Either that or they just treat you like one of the boys because you're just exuding that masculine energy. Yes. Yeah, that too. That too. So, you know, I think the best thing for us is to find that beauty. If you start honoring yourself, that's a good way to start finding that femininity in you. And we'll just rejoice. First, you just have to find out who you are. And then you can bring forth any part of you that you want to bring forth. If I love skirts. I absolutely love skirts. My mom always wore pants. She goes, why do you always have to wear skirts? And why don't you cut your hair? I said, because I love my hair long and I love my skirts, period. I love it. It's, it's nice. It feels good. I just feel freer in skirts. That's me. If you don't like skirts, now I wear pants too, but I love my skirts. And so that's me. And it's oh. Okay. Yeah, either it's way, I mean, I think we all have different ideas about what helps us to feel feminine. For me, I, right. I very rarely wear makeup, but I do like to wear a flower in my hair. You know, I, I do like it. to wear floaty skirts, yeah. like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, it's not about makeup for me that or high heels that makes me feel feminine. It's more about, you know, wearing nice perfume or a nice underwear or, you know, putting a flower in my hair. It's all. Yeah, you do things for you. Yeah, and, and you will start to bloom. And whoever you are, that's perfect. Yeah. And that's what's you attractive know? to the opposite sex, you know, getting oh, yeah. your core natural feminine energy um, in the context of our intimate relationships is what then gets exuded and then what men find attractive about us. Yeah. All it is is authenticity. And to deal with and being outside the critical bubble, because when you're outside the critical bubble, then you can build that confidence. You can build the stuff that's good and healthy in you that makes you just come alive. It's just, you know, quieting it down and start with honoring yourself. There's all sorts of things you can do, but that's one really good tool to start with. I love yeah. I loved what you shared around that. And I think that's a great uh, message. Uh, any other tips before we wrap up the conversation? Alina? 
Ah, uh, well, for all of you, I hope you all have a little sacred space, a little corner in your life where you can sit and be whatever you want to be. That's from that old Cinderella uh, movie and musical. I love that. I can sing the song, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so <laughs> in your house, guys, find a place that is yours in that apartment. I don't care. I've lived in the smallest apartments, and the biggest houses. So I know. And all you have to do is find one little corner with a chair. I travel a lot. So I have a blanket I bring wherever I put that blanket. It's my sacred space. And then that is your space. And then stand outside the sacred space. This is one way to train your mind and have something special. And take your finger, start wherever you think north is, and, may, and close your eyes and see a white light go right around your sacred space. Now, as you're standing outside that sacred space, say these words. No worry, doubt, or fear shall enter here. And then you take your hand from, from like your head and you push all, it's, it's very physical. You're pushing all that energy outside, way far away from the circle. And then step into your circle, settle down and say, and either read a book, it's your, your circle. You can have candles in it, you can have pillows in it, you can have just a beautiful chair with a blanket, you can have your warm cup of tea, but it is your own little corner in that world where you can be whatever you wanna be. You can daydream, you can read really cool books that you love, you can listen to podcasts that lift you up, you can do meditations without the critical mind. And if that worry, doubt, and fear starts to come into your little circle, you say, ah, 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 no way. Out you go. Not now. Five more minutes. And be firm. Uh -huh. be and then have fun. And you should be in your circle doing gratitude or whatever you want at least once a day. It's your world. Those are my two hints. How's that? <laughs> Love it, Alina. Thank you so much. So finally, what, what is your best contact information for those members of the audience that would like to get in touch with you? Oh, gosh. I have a group called Soul Manifesto. And if you go to soulmanifesto.com, you can contact me directly right by going to that, that little um, uh, page where it says connect. <laughs> <laughs> like an email or something on it, and, and you will connect with me directly. And if you're interested in Hello Soul right now, it's on Amazon. That's a beautiful book. And uh, you can also check me out on YouTube. I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Alina. It's been a fascinating conversation and it's been interesting to hear your wise words and tips for how we can progress and connect more with our inner divine soul and uh, the power of our inner feminine too. Yeah. Oh, Lynn, I enjoyed it so much. You are just a bright sunshine. I enjoyed it very, very, very much. Thank you. So listeners, it just leads me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember... True love starts with opening our hearts.